Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages. You have reached the First Amendment Talk Show, a talk show brought to you by the people for the people. And I am your host, Ace D.O.D. It is an honor to be your host. Thank you for having me. Um, you can literally be in a million other places, but you've come here to listen to us and chat with us. So thank you. I really, really appreciate it. So for a long time, we've questioned education and how it's structured. Today, we're going to talk about the structure of education and maybe a few uh, answers to a few of the questions that people have maybe may have had out there when it comes to is education is is, is education really going towards the right direction? Uh, to talk about this topic, I have a very special guest with me here today, Doctor Doctor Shaoli. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much for asking. I'm sure you must be doing well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm breathing. I always say, Doctor Shaoli, as long as I'm breathing, I'm doing okay. You know, the world <laughs> is our oyster, right? Um, so when it comes to education, uh, Dr. Shaoli, what, um, what are your thoughts about the uh, education globally? Well, I think um, our histories have changed, our geographies have changed, but unfortunately, our education system has still remained the same. It is still essentially the byproduct of the 19th century industrial revolution which still promotes the one-size-fits-all educational model. You see, it's a kind of a model which sadly denies the fact that each and every child is born with a unique blueprint, with a unique ability to create a world of difference around him or her. It is also a kind of a system which denies the essential fact that each and every child, each and every learner, they have their own individual passion, talents, skills, likes as well as dislikes. Unfortunately, our current education system, it believes in the fact that each and every child learns in the same way. especially at the same time and, you know, following the same method. I mean, this is utterly wrong because uh, as educators, we know that each and every child is so very different, you know, from each other. They have their own unique learning needs and learning styles. I mean, some of the children, they can be, you know, auditory learners, some can be visual learners. Some can be kinesthetic learners. I mean, the ones who need to move around in order to learn. So it is a kind of a delimiting system, which feels that the children can be put in a box and they can be taught in the same way. This system needs an urgent redefinition. It needs an urgent uh, well, I would say a paradigm shift, a paradigm shift in the way education is being delivered. Well, that's my thought. Okay, see, I totally agree. I actually, uh, I've said it for a long time that we're all unique. And uh, whenever you teach us in groups, uh, some of us uh, get bored. Some of us drop out, especially out here in uh, 
the U.S., a lot of children drop out because they're in a uh, they learn differently. So I, I would totally agree. What do you think, uh, um, doctor? What do you think would be a, a good step towards um, this revamp of education when it comes to each unique uh, individual child or or young person? A lot of things, actually. You see, um, firstly, if you if you, if you think that uh, our education system is not going anywhere, and our twenty first century learners they need a completely different kind of an education, which would prepare them for life, which would not only uh, be instrumental in handing them over degrees and certifications at the end of their formal education, but something that would actually prepare them for life. So if that is so, I think, uh, first of all, the educators, everybody who are actually there operating in the system, they first need to acknowledge the fact that this transformation is required. Having said so, uh, I believe that the educators, they need to, uh, you know, they need to acknowledge that a lot of changes need to happen. And in order to make those changes visible and tangible, the first change that needs to happen is actually in their mindset. So any kind of change that you would like to bring about in the world, it first starts in your mind. So a paradigm shift in the way in which you think about it, well, that can go a long way to actually create those changes. Maybe, uh, you know, to start off with, it can be a very small change. It can be a very small transformation, but it doesn't matter. That would have a rippling effect in days to come. Say, for instance, when I speak about the educators, I strongly believe that the 21st century educators, those who are actually operating in this particular system, first of all, need to be lifelong learners and self-motivated learners. They have to be the ones who not only have to learn, but they also have to unlearn and relearn. Only when they are able to do so, they will be able to pass on the same to the children. And why educators only? I would also like to bring the parents into this particular ambit because parents are, in fact, our first educators. So parents as well as educators, they first need to understand that education is something which happens in an organic fashion. Education does not happen in a linear fashion, so you don't really plan a lot of things. Real education is something which happens in an organic fashion, in an organic mode. Say, for instance, if you consider the fact that each, you see, each and every child, when he or she is born, the children are born with their own, you know, sense of creativity. So children are creative, children are curious, children are enthusiastic. In fact, I have never seen a child in my life who has not been enthusiastic to learn. As Pablo Picasso has rightly said, that each and every child is a born artist. The challenge is to remain an artist as he or she grows up. 
So you see, the challenge uh, signifies the fact that the onus and the responsibility is actually on us, is on the educators and on the parents as to how we hone and nurture the children so that their inherent creativity, their inherent enthusiasm, their inherent curiosity, they remain with them all through because these are some of the qualities which will actually help them to thrive in the 21st century volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous world. It's not rote learning anymore. It's not memorization that helps you to clear your examination. It is a completely different set of you know, values. So when I say a completely different set of values, you must, uh, I'm sure you would agree with me that uh, our entire education system gives so much of premium and importance on intelligence quotient, that is IQ. But nowhere in our education system do we find that there is a focus and there is a significance on EQ or the emotional quotient. Though significant research has proved that more than 80% of the success in your life, be it in your professional sphere or in your personal endeavor, it actually rests on your emotional quotient and not on your intelligence quotient. Secondly, if you see since childhood, parents as well as educators, they seem to impress this fact on each and every child that it is so very important to come first in everything. That competition is so very important. In short, the message that we are giving to our children is that, well, if you have to survive, you have to be a part of this mad rat race called life. Though collaboration and cooperation are the two essential key skill sets that are required to thrive in the 21st century world. It is not competition. It is how you cooperate. It is how you collaborate. So if this is so, then why our current education system till date gives so much of importance to IQ, neglecting EQ, and gives so much of relevance to competition, neglecting collaboration and cooperation. So you see, my main point is that we are totally going in a wrong direction. And as educators and parents, first of all, we need to understand that we are actually doing a disservice to our children. We need to mend our ways. Our children need not be fixed. Our children are just wonderful the way they are. Each and every child is a natural moonshot thinker, is a wonderful human being created by God. They don't need to be fixed. What needs to be fixed perhaps is our mindset, is our perception as to how we see at education and how we see that we can actually contribute in creating a much, much better human being. So maybe the soul searching is something that we need to do as adults. 
Right, I hear you. That was awesome. That was beautiful. Big round of applause, ladies and gentlemen, for the doctor, Dr. Shelley. That was awesome. So, Dr. Shelley, it's 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 nice that you bring that up because um, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I do believe that, uh, and I and I know a lot of people would back this up out here, at least in the U.S., because um, there's actually been an ongoing battle between parents and and um the school boards out here because like you said uh you know they want to you know each each child is unique so we need to pretty much exploit or bring out their 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 personal traits right um but it, it's it's kind of sort of caused a problem maybe because they're going too far the schools are out here and trying to indoctrinate i guess what society or what the world is right now out here which is a lot of um, LGBTQs actually become pretty big out here. And a lot of parents, not all parents agree with that sort of lifestyle. You know what I mean? However, society has gripped onto that idea that um, being unique equals, you know, having their ideas, which I believe is wrong because like you said, everyone has their own, is their own person. Um, with that being said, would you would you agree or disagree that maybe um, this job to develop a child is more a parent's job, or would you say that it's more the school's job? It's both ways. Uh, it cannot be said that uh, you know nurturing a child. See, biologically, uh, the parents give birth to a child. And uh, we all know that the first socialization and the first education that a child receives is actually from the parents or the early caregivers. So we all know that. And hence, we understand the importance and value of those primary years, you know. Having said so, education, I believe strongly is not something which can be outsourced to somebody else. I mean, at no point in time can parents think that, well, my job is over and now I can outsource this to the school or to the teachers or to the educators. Neither can the educators or the teachers think in the same manner that it is only our responsibility to, since the children, they have come to the school, so it's our responsibility to take care of their education. We have to understand that education is not something which happens within the four walls of a classroom. It is something which can happen at any point of time, anywhere, and in any, any method possible. The best education happens, in fact, not in the classrooms. It happens, uh, you know, through a lot of experiences in life. So I believe that each and every juncture you are being educated, no matter whatever your age is. So neither can parents think that, well, it's not my job, nor the teachers can think that it's only our job. So it's a collective responsibility, not only parents and the educators, society, community in general. You see, it's a collective responsibility because we all are actually doing a very, very responsible 
and at the same time a very powerful work we are actually shaping the future of not only our nations but we are shaping the future of our world it is how you are educating the children of today the values that you seem to you know give them or the experiences that they would be getting in 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 these years in these vital years is actually what is going to shape their entire future and in fact they are the ones who will be moving ahead and they will be creating the future for the entire world so the problem is we say that you know uh i have heard it so many times that the teachers say that uh, you know i'm a teacher of english i'm a teacher of geography i'm a teacher of maths no that's not what you are you are not teaching the subjects you are teaching the children who are essentially human beings so the human element in education is something which is sadly missing it has become a very very mechanical process we have to understand that whether it's teaching or it's education well it's not a mechanical task of transferring knowledge and content from one person to another no it's not it is in fact one of the most creative and one of the most sophisticated professions in the world alongside i would also like to add that's one of the most responsible and one of the most powerful things that we can do we first of all have to realize the fact that we have great powers in our hands we have immense responsibility and at the same time enormous power in our hands so i'll again you know take you back to what i said a little earlier that it's all about the mindset and these kind of mindsets can i i don't expect it to be nurtured only by reading uh or cramming facts from the textbooks and writing exams and getting degrees and certifications well that may help you to get some jobs you know after you finish your formal education but the way in which you will be leading your life in the true sense of the term can only come from a very very proper real and a true kind of an education right right i hear you yeah that's uh that's pretty pretty uh pretty interesting stuff so tell me uh dr shawley let's say met uh i guess you could say metaphorically speaking or or I'm going to throw a scenario out there for you. So, you know, you're a teacher and I'm a 5-year-old child, right? And there's let's say 20 20 other 20 other children with you. How what, what does your curriculum look like? Uh either well not not either, but for both the class and for me individually. Uh well, let me tell you that um in the year 2015 when I set up and established the first STEM school in uh West Bengal India. which was eventually awarded for being the second best international day school in the entire west bengal region by education world it was a great step towards creating a different kind of an education system that definitely involved a very very different kind of curriculum 
different kind of an assessment pattern and a whole lot of different ideology. So you may have 20 kids in your class or you may have 30 or even 50. In an Indian context, we also see that there are 50 or 60 children in a class, you see. And uh, an innovative and a creative teacher would plan her lessons in such a manner. First of all, the lessons that are being planned by the educator or the teacher needs to be cross-disciplinary. So the problem with, again, the problem with our current education system is that we earmark each and everything, we compartmentalize each and everything. We sort of, you know, uh, segregate, say we classify the entire day and label them as a particular, a kind of a school day looks like, you know, the first one hour is a maths class, the second one hour is an English class, the third class is maybe a music class. Well, that's not how learning happens. You know, learning never happens in compartments. Learning happens in a very, very interdisciplinary way. So just think about a class where, uh, where are actually teaching a history lesson through a movie, through music, and through dramatics. So just imagine the level of interest that that will generate in children, especially why did I refer to history? Because most of the children feel that it's dull and boring, right? So, you know, the etiology and the perception needs to be changed. You know why children feel that it's boring? Because we, the teachers, we tend to give them this idea that history is all about memorizing dates and events. Well, it's not so. History is not about memorizing dates and events. History is about making the learners realize the fact that what all things happened in the past and that it may be repeated if we have not learned the lesson. So what, what are the things that may be repeated or what are the things that may should not be repeated? That is exactly what history should do as a discipline to the learners. So if we have to do that, and if we have to connect history with music, culture, movies, and things like, and characters, of course, we have to make it living. We have to make it feel real to the children, not something which had happened hundreds and hundreds of years back. Just imagine if I tell you that these are the things which have happened, you know, thousands of years back. Won't you have this primary, uh, your immediate feeling that what's my business to learn about it? Because it has already happened thousand years back. So why should I learn learn about it? Or why should I even even give my energy to this. So that should be your first feeling, right? So how can I make it interesting and living? How can I add value to it? So I think there needs to be a lot of, you know, and I, I have seen a lot of creative and innovative teachers. They spend a lot of time and energy in devising their lessons and planning their lessons in a very, very innovative fashion. How they link one particular discipline with three, four other disciplines. So 
as i as i told you a little earlier there can be children who there can be some children who are auditory learners there can be some children who are visual learners but there also can be learners who are kinesthetic so why can't we devise certain activities based on what we will actually be going to teach so that it would be catering to all the different kinds of learners so this is how this is how we can make learning joyful interesting and most importantly connected to real life if learning is not connected to real life well it doesn't have a, doesn't make any sense right i hear you so what you're trying to say doctor um is right now i mean at least out here where i'm at there's curriculums that teachers um teachers choose because they believe that that's right what you're saying is instead of doing that um kind of sort of i guess manipulate their own curriculum to what their class at that point in time is like right their children at a certain year kind of manipulate and maybe um create or mold a, a curriculum towards the children they have during a certain year absolutely so and it's not only about curriculum only see uh, there has to be a very very proper engagement with the curriculum for sure for the teachers uh, problem is almost all the teachers uh, accept the curriculum as as a sacred document that is being handed over to them you see and they never really engage with the curriculum that they are about to teach there lies the real problem so the teachers have to engage in a very deep and meaningful manner with the curriculum and make a lot of modifications changes and have to adapt the curriculum to suit the learning needs of the children and as i told you the curriculum has to be linked with the real life implications so if you're teaching a child within a classroom a particular concept which the child feels that you know after the class is over i'll try to never apply it in real life contexts well that learning will always remain with the child in his short term memory it will never go into his long term memory and even it will be so short you see it will only cater to the child's needs of just sitting for the exam and writing his or her exam that's all the day the exam is over his entire learning is vanished you know why because it has never been connected with the real life context so this is actually the job this is the task this is the role of a teacher the teacher has to think that how can i make it relevant how can i make it applicable in the real life context how can i create the curriculum or modify the curriculum in a way that would serve this child for at least 10 years from now this is what we term as transfer of learning transfer of learning is a concept that you are learning a particular concept in maths today how can this particular concept which you have learned in maths can be applicable in some completely different context say after 5 years from now if the transfer of learning is happening well the learning is relevant otherwise it's not 
Right, I hear you. Um, yeah, that's actually caused a lot of issues out here with uh, the parents and uh, against teachers um, because of that. I think uh, the curriculum does come from a, a higher power, I guess you can say, whether it's, you know, the school board or something higher. And I think they're attacking the teachers for many wrong reasons. You know, it's not really their fault out here. Um, but yeah, there, there's actually been an ongoing battle between uh, the school boards and the parents out here. And that's actually a really good point that you bring up when it comes to the static curriculums that they want a structure for everyone when it doesn't always apply to everyone. Now, I've, I've actually sat down and spoke with a few friends of mine who have been teachers for, for a while now out here in the U.S. And um, a lot of them brought this to my attention, Doctor. I don't know if you'd agree or disagree. Uh, let me know. But they, they told me that a lot through their years, they've noticed that when, when a child uh, graduates, even if it's a young person in college, uh, many people see it as an achievement towards their own personal goals and their own personal um, traits, right? But they've they've brought it to my attention and said that there's there's a very thin line between a disciplined child and an intelligent child. And a lot of times, uh, or most of the time, if not all the time, a child that graduates, I don't know, that has a class in math, right, with straight A's and this and that, um, they call that an intelligent child. But uh, my buddies uh, that are teachers, they, they told me that it's more disciplined because what they're doing is they're creating, they're putting pretty much their own curriculum into the classes as a whole rather than bringing out each person's traits because obviously we were created differently and to do different things in this planet, right? Um, so would you agree or disagree that most of the time it's more discipline rather than, than smarts or intelligence? Absolutely so. I mean, there is no point uh, disagreeing to it. Because you see, but we have to understand as to why it happens. So it happens because of few very, very valid reasons. First of all, if you think about the way we assess our children or we evaluate them. So we follow globally, and I'm not talking about anything which is like nation specific. This is something which happens globally. We have standardized tests for children and learners across all grades. So all tests are standardized tests. Now, what are these standardized tests doing or assessing? They are actually assessing the child's ability to conform and to comply how well a child complies how well a child conforms to the norms that is exactly what these tests are assessing these tests can never assess a child's ability to create or to innovate the problem lies exactly here so if you evaluate a child based on conformity and compliance, well, you will be raising so-called quote-unquote disciplined child. But if, if, if you just forget the essential fact that human lives in general, they thrive on diversity and not compliance so it's not compliance it's not conformity 
its diversity. The very fact that we all are so very different from each other. That is the beauty of this world. Can we imagine a kind of a world where we all are, you know, same? We're just alike, you know. We are just the same and a carbon copy of each other. So just imagine how dull and boring this world would be. So our strength lies in the fact you can think about anything. You can think why, why, why the entire world in a very holistic fashion. Just think about a team. Think about a great team, you know. So a great team is known for its diversity. Person A is good at something, so person B will be good at something else. And that brings the variety and that brings the uniqueness of the team. So it's very much the same about the learners. It's very much the same about people in general in the world. So when the entire world thrives on diversity, how can we have an education system which relies on conformity and compliance? So you see, basically, and essentially, we are going wrong. Right, I hear you. I, I definitely agree. The world never stops changing, so we always learn, right? We keep learning. Um, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Shali, for, for, that, uh, for that answer. Um, we don't have too much time left here on the show. So, you know, I'd like to give you the, the floor if you want to talk about anything that, you, that you're working on. Any any type of business that you're doing for the folks out there, so they could follow you or check you out. Um, yeah, Dr. Shelley, the floor is all yours. Uh, well, I'm a very simple person, a very very passionate academician, uh, somebody who has spent more than 23 years of her life working in the sphere of education, and that too out of pure passion. Uh, well, I have been the principal as well as the founder principal of some of the reputed international schools in West Bengal, India, some of which had actually been founded by me. Uh, well, I would definitely like to name STEM World School, which happens to be the first STEM school in West Bengal, India, which was also eventually awarded for being the second best international day school in the entire West Bengal region of India by Education World in the year 2016. That also happens to be my brainchild. Currently, I am associated with higher education sector. I am the director of one of the premier Indian universities. And uh, additionally, I'm associated with premier educational organizations across India as well as globally in senior advisory position. And yes, as an inspirational speaker, I do speak very very frequently on various platforms and forums uh well not only on education but on a whole lot of other areas and topics so that is a brief about myself and uh, passion and purpose these are the two key words i think which define me and i believe in the fact that I'm truly blessed in a lot many ways and it's my responsibility to give back to the world in a very very meaningful and productive manner. So that's what I have been doing for so many years and that is exactly what I would like to you know continue doing 
till I'm here. Well, that's all. That's all from my end. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you for uh, for everything you've done, Dr. Shawley. Uh, I mean, we need more people like you around the world. Um, right now, um, specifically here in the U.S., we do have a lot of issues going on when it comes to everything we've spoken about. So, um, yeah, we do need a lot more people like you to show us the way. And let's give one more round of applause for Dr. Shawley, people. Oh, encore. Oh, encore. It was awesome, Dr. Shawley. Um, if you have any links for these awesome folks out here, uh, somewhere they could follow you, where they can check you out, you know, where they can see you. And um, when you talk about pretty much all these things that you are knowledgeable on, um, please feel free to send them my way. I can go ahead and uh, let these folks know, these fine folks that are listening right now know where to find you and uh, what to expect. You know, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of these folks would like to be... Uh, would like to check you out to see you speak or to hear you speak and um learn a little bit more because we're constantly learning right we're we're we may be teachers at times but that doesn't mean we uh we should ever stop learning um even if we are teaching right um with that being said folks uh it is sad times i do have to let you go hopefully dr shawley will hear her again if uh if she does send me the links i'll send them all to you again we're in a different platform uh, podcast platforms were everything from Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public. You can find us everywhere, YouTube and Facebook. Dr. Shawley, thanks again. It has been an honor um, to sit down and chat with you. Um, and hopefully we uh, we could chat again. It's been nothing uh, less than a, a an honor and a learning experience. And thank you again, Dr. Shawley. I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. It's it's real pleasure for me to be on this platform today, and you know to share my perspectives and insights on education with people around me. Well, this is perhaps something which gives me a whole lot of fulfillment and satisfaction, because I have always believed that in whatever I have done or whatever I do, if I happen to touch inspire and impact the life of a single human being in a meaningful manner where I feel that my work is done. So thank you so much for inviting me on this platform. And yes, uh, I would definitely would like to come back on this platform again and maybe, maybe on some other topic of discussion. Thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, I don't speak for God, but I'm pretty sure he smiles upon you um and loves you for all the work you've done um and for all you folks out there please remember something i always say love and respect will take you a long way and i promise you you will have a good day stay safe out there stay cool stay warm wherever uh, you are in this world and please take care and god bless <laughs>